It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. And basketball time to kill. Love picks up Curry. Kyrie Irving from downtown. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. The 52 is over. The Cavaliers have won the NBA championship. Cleveland, this is for you. Sexton works on Irving. Hey. The shoot around. Welcome back to the show. There has been a lot of discussion lately about the Cavs going into next season, wondering how well the team will perform. So, Colin. I thought it would be a fun exercise to pick which players on the team are the best at certain skills. Definitely, Adam. The Cavs have a great young core, and we have talked about them a lot. Next season should be exciting, and this should be a fun episode to figure out who is the best current Cavalier. I do want to give credit to Mac Perry and Braden Todd, who had some great discussions on Twitter around this topic. Make sure you give them a follow. Well, Kevin Durant has reportedly given the Nets an ultimatum, saying that he won't return unless head coach Steve Nash and general manager Sean Marks are fired. Some are now saying this was bad for Durant's image. Do you agree? You and I have talked too often about this. We are still elated that all the stuff with the Nets got us Jared Allen. We can't not bring that up every time the Nets stuff comes up, but I would completely agree with a lot of folks that this isn't great for Durant's image. It's not great for him to give this ultimatum because he doesn't really have that much power. He has a lot of money. He has a lot of influence. He is a top five, six player in the league, but he still has four years left on his contract with the Nets. And I just think that it comes across as this is a guy that thinks he has more leverage than he actually does. What do you think? Kevin Durant solidified a bad image in this league, in my opinion, when he joined the Golden State Warriors to win a championship. And now that he's joined his buddy Kyrie in Brooklyn, and it's turned out the way that it has, both of them don't look good on the way out the door. Obviously, the Nets would want to keep Durant over Kyrie, but I really don't know how they'll keep either player at this point. And considering that Durant requested the trade weeks ago before this has come out, which is that, oh, well, I'll stay if you get rid of the coach and the GM. Well, you've already basically said that you want to go. And why would we now make drastic changes to the rest of the team just to find out that that still isn't enough and you still want to go? So, yeah, I think you're totally right. I think he has no position of power in this moment. And other than being locked into a contract with the team, he really needs to stop talking. I don't really see the benefit in him demanding anything from them other than what he already has, which is a trade. And if there's a means to keep him there, then fine. But clearly they're not interested in shelving the plan of what the GM has in store and what they're doing with Nash as a coach. So what I would say is it's just another indication of kind of how Kevin Durant has always believed that he is LeBron James or he is a LeBron James within the league. And he's not because LeBron 
would have this power. He would have the ability to say, no, nah, not that guy. You're going to get rid of him. I want a different coach. I want a different GM. And maybe it's just the way that he goes about it that he gets what he wants. But I think it probably has more to do with the fact that he has been and continues to be the greatest player in the world. And Kevin is still trying to catch up to that. So this is another example of Kevin Durant thinking that he's owed more than he's going to get. Are the Cavs the best team in the East? The Cavs, Adam, are not the best team in the East. They are a very good team in the East. They're a team that has the potential to be the best. I would say that you and I would probably pick in about a year or two, depending on how this season goes, for them moving into that upper echelon as being a number one team in the East. The East has become much more of a difficult conference. Even last year, it was tougher than the previous year. And going into this season, it is a very tough conference compared to even three or four years ago. A lot of that was who we talked about at the top with uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie moving both to the East to the Nets. But then also you had Giannis finally hitting his stride as a superpower type of player and then Boston is becoming a, a tougher team they're finally getting their act together and then also you have the Raptors and the 76ers who are also tough teams to play against as well the Cavs had some fun games against the the Raptors but really had a tough time dealing with the 76ers just because of Embiid so overall I would say the Cavs are a very very good team in the east but right now they are not the best team it's a loaded question and it's absolutely still the off season and you and i are trying to fill these podcasts with something to talk about what yeah yeah we let him in on the secret column overall it's impossible to say that we're the best team in the east because we ended the season as the ninth seed and missed the playoffs we have some growth still and a few things that we still need to prove. The record that we had about midway, I'd say even more than midway, going into the All-Star break, that was the most compelling. If we can have similar success coming into this next season, I really don't think we're going to have a drop-off heading into the playoffs the way that we did last year. Now, honestly, I always say it every episode, injuries, you don't really know what's going to happen. But this team, especially with the pieces that they have brought in over the offseason and hopefully what they'll be able to do with signing Sexton, they're a much stronger team, a much more well-rounded team coming into the year. You're correct. The East has gotten harder, for sure. What I'm fascinated by, it's not so much that the talent at the top is insurmountable. It's that 1 through 10 are all pretty close. Mm -hmm. And that used to be very similar to what you would see out of the West for years. The West was always really neck and neck, one through ten, mm -hmm. one through eight, but you know what I mean. And now the West, there's a big drop off mm -hmm. where the top five are extremely good, but the bottom five are not so good. And if we had been in the West last year, we would have made the playoffs. We would have been the eighth seed. Well, that so would have been the play in. Well, we would have made the, the play-in, but we would have been in a greater position as far as the seeding. So we would have been probably able to, to win those games. Mm -hmm. And we only needed to win one, and we lost both. 
But I do think that just looking at what talent you have in the East and kind of where we fall with our talent, there's no reason to believe that we can't be in the top five. So my answer to this question for today is we're not the best team in the East, but we should be in the top five. Looking at the teams that were there last year, we were only down six, seven games from their record. So that's not much at all. And we know that we lost 20 out of 30 or something like that towards the end. We just, we really lost a a huge amount to end the season. So right now, before anything is happening with training camp and preseason, you would have them sitting in the top five, like five, six is what you're thinking. Uh, four, no, four, five, top five, not six, because to me, they're in the top five for sure. Do you know who you would have above them? Well, I think you have to give credit to the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks. Those three, absolutely, I don't see any reason why they're not going to come back strong. Okay. So we're definitely going to be in the mix with those guys. I don't know if I believe in the 76ers, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I believe in the Raptors. And the Bulls, they were the sixth seed last year, so they're not in the conversation for me right now. So the top five, two of those teams, I could see us replacing one of them, possibly. Okay. The Raptors or the 76ers for sure. How about you? I would put them in the top six. I view them as, I'm not going to say a record or anything, but right now I would put them in the top six only because Embiid was already ridiculous last year if he is able to stay as healthy as he was last year and repeat that and that's a big if I agree with you that is a big if and they also have some weird vibes with Doc Rivers and the rest of the team and Harden is always a crapshoot of a player that's a team that I think could have a better record than the Cavs. And I also think as well that I also think that the teams that you named Milwaukee and the Heat and the Celtics, those three teams all have the ability to really turn it on and could have a lot of success where their record is even further along. So they have some separation. I don't really necessarily see that happening. But at the same time, I could see all three of those teams hitting their stride for some reason and getting closer to 58, maybe even 60 wins, depending. And that could mess some stuff up as far as seeding is concerned. But if I'm not saying top five, it's really I'm saying six or five, and you're thinking four and five. Slight tweaks is all I'm thinking. And looking at the stats real quick from last season, we went three and seven in the final 10 games. And there's only mm-hmm. one other team that was in the playoffs or in the play-in that had a losing record going into the final 10 games of, of the end of the year, which was the Bulls, four and six. Mm-hmm. Everybody else had winning records to end the year. And we were a team that averaged 107.8 points per game, but the opponent was 105.7. There's no team other than the top two teams that have a better opponent's points per game average than that. We were really down at 107 because of that loss of Allen and Sexton. Mm-hmm. You're right. Allen for the last 30 games or so of the year and Sexton for the entire season. Mm-hmm. So if those guys could stay consistent and are coming back next year and we maintain the defensive ability that we've now proven the last two seasons that we can do, mm-hmm. 
I think we're in the top five for sure, just based on those numbers swinging in our favor. But that's just something I wanted to point out. In your opinion, who was the Cavs' most consistent player every night last season? Well, I think it could be a tie, but I won't say two. I'll just give you one. (laughs) See if maybe you will say the second person or not. But I'm going to go with one of your favorite picks, Evan Mobley. I think Evan Mobley was the most consistent player we had every night last year. And I think it just bears out in the stats. 69 games played, 69 games started. His averages across the board are basically what he did in college. He had no drop-off from what he was able to do his senior year going into his professional career. The nights that he wasn't out there, I don't even have to look up those games. I remember, they were not the same team. And in the press conferences, they'd all mention, that guy gives us so much offensively, defensively. It's what made him, in our minds, the MVP of the team and the rookie of the year. That consistency is a major part of that. Night in and night out, if he was out there, you knew you were going to get a couple of big blocks, eight or nine rebounds, and about 15 points. And the fact that you could get that consistently from a rookie, a guy that came in and immediately found a home in the starting five and supplanted Kevin Love, took him right out. We've mentioned in other episodes before, that alone was impressive that Kevin had to say, oh no, I deserve to come off the bench. That guy should start. And then he came in and did it. So that's my answer. I think that the most consistent Cavs player we had last year, amazingly enough, was our rookie. A guy that probably should have been chosen number one overall, but man, are we lucky he wasn't. I'm never going to argue with Evan Mobley. I do think that I'm going to throw a bit of a wrench in this answer because I don't think you're thinking this guy. I'm actually going to say the guy that you already brought up. I'm going to go with Kevin Love. And the reason why I'm going to go with Kevin Love is he played in 74 games. Yes, he was coming off the bench, but we knew what we were getting out of him basically every night. I mean, he was second in sixth man voting for a reason this season. And I think that he really contributed to the Cavs in a way that allowed the rest of the starters and the team to gel. And he showed up and he finally did his job and he stayed healthy. And so I want to just give him some credit. I don't necessarily think that he was the guy who was doing all things in every facet of the game really well every night. But I think everybody knew that he was going to shoot well off the bench, help the team with rebounding every night when he was coming off the bench and contribute in that manner. And as well as help that second unit's offense flow better because he's such a good passer. So I'm going to go with the trusty veteran the opposite of Evan Mobley and go with Kevin Love. Well, I thought you were going to say Chetty Osman, but I mean, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Uh, do you think that someone will take Love's place next year? I really hope so. He's the man that we've talked about a lot, and that's Colin Sexton. I hope that Sexton becomes the force that we want him to coming off the bench. And it doesn't necessarily mean I don't want him leading the second unit in rebounds. I want him doing what Kevin Love did really well, which was providing a spark offensively, getting three-point shots made, generating some looks by using his really good vision and passing. 
I want Colin to do that. He is a solid passer. He's a freak of nature as an athlete. So we know that he can break down defenses. And I would love to see him be our sixth man and the sixth man of the year seen throughout the NBA because I think that he has that potential. And for me, we also know that Colin was consistent the previous year that he got hurt. He showed up every night. We knew that even if his shot was off at times, he would still, you know, hit the mid-range floaters or try to get to the basket and generate fouls and, and get to the free throw line. So for me, the guy I would like to supplant Kevin off the bench and be that consistent role player, that bench player, is Colin Sexton. Do you think that someone will replace Mobley in in kind of your answer next season. Sorry, you just punched the mic. <laughs> no, no, I hit the stand. There's a difference. No. <laughs> I quit this podcast. No. Um, <laughs> Don't make me answer the stuff from the outline, Colin. Ugh. I already said it's going to be Jenny. <laughs> I think that, you know, Colin Sexton, we don't know what's going to happen with that. I, Obviously, you and I are really hopeful that he's going to be that sixth man off the bench and run a whole other style of uh, like a starting five, starting unit type out there with him. But I really feel like I got to mention the guy that I thought you were going to say instead of love, which because uh, to me, he probably should have been my main answer. But you always say Mobley, so I want to get ahead of you on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to say Darius Garland because I think probably when we really stop and think about it, he probably was the most consistent player on this team last year. Yeah. 21 points average tonight, 8.6 assists. When he wasn't out there, we weren't winning any games. It was just not going to happen. Now, granted, a couple of other players, when they weren't out there, it got hairy. Mm -hmm. But Garland was the player for our team last year. And it's the reason why he got the contract that he did at the end of the season. And it's the reason why Sexton all of a sudden doesn't have a place on the team. I would just have to say that if things continue, if the trajectory continues to go upward for Darius, as we believe that it will, it should, then there's a high probability that he will continue doing more of what he did last year, which is carry this team. And um, considering I used to be pretty down on that being a possibility, I'm thrilled that I'm even saying that now it should be, um, you, you should be able to take it to, to the bank. So probably Darius Garland. But again, this is the wonderful situation that I think you and I know Cavs fans are in coming into 2023. And it's that we are loaded. Mm -hmm. We have all kinds of possibilities here on this roster and it should be a good season. Knock on wood. Well, I also, I'll just add a little note about Darius. I agree he most definitely was the most consistent player, but he also did that through injury. It was something else that he proved that he could do unlike previous seasons. You know, he played with a bad back a lot and we could see how that affected his game. And yet he still contributed. The kid has guts. And I think that you're right. It's, he could definitely, his star could keep climbing and climbing in that way. We would be able to say like, we know this is what we're getting from the Cavs every night when he's on the floor. The final seconds. 
Rank the best Cavs passers from last season. Uh, we just talked about him. I'd go with Darius first. When Rubio is healthy, I would go with Rubio next. Probably in my mind, I would go with Kevin Love after that. Then Sexton. And then maybe Mobley. Those would be my answers. Garland certainly is the best passer on the team from last season. You have to give him that. Rubio has a great touch, but sometimes is a little bit like Brett Favre. He, he tries to <laughs> squeeze some things in there that don't really work um, and gets a lot of things picked off. So his uh, turnovers can kind of get him in trouble there. I think Kevin Love is a terrific passer for his position and for the way that he plays the game. I would maybe move Sexton up above him if Sexton was asked to do more of that. And possibly going into next season, that will be the case if he plays that six-man role more. And then I think it's a fine thing to end with Mobley because Mobley, that's the beauty of what we believe he can be. He, just all phases of the game, he's impressive. Mm -hmm. And his, his touch on the ball, whether he's shooting or passing, is, is part of that. Who is the best shooter on the team? I think the best shooter on the team is Kevin Love. I don't know if Kevin is still always the best shooter at this point in his career, but I think he is one of the best shooters on the team just from the longevity of that career, especially his time in Minnesota. Since coming to the Cavaliers, he wasn't really asked to shoot the ball the same way, and now he's become predominantly a three-point shooter a lot of the time. But his touch is impressive for his size and for his abilities in general. So I would just say I think Kevin Love is probably the best shooter on the team, even though Garland and Sexton, I think, are close in conversation. They just don't have the career to lean on for me to say that they're going to end up being as good of a shooters as, as uh, Love has been. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that... Garland would be my obvious choice in the sense of how he's improved. I'm also really intrigued to see how Ochai does because if they have him set up correctly and that he's fitting into the offense in his, the right spots of where he can really progress, I think that Ochai could be a very good shooter for them next season. I'm not saying the same level of Kevin Love for his career, but for this team, I could see something like that happening. Who is the best defender on this Cavs squad? Well, we've brought up Mobley a lot, but I'm actually going to go with Isaac Okoro right now, only because he's still going to be asked to be the primary defender that will go up against the team's best wing or guard player. That is a lot to deal with. And Isaac has done that consistently every night. He stays relatively healthy. He is a guy who doesn't get burnt often on defense. He can be a great point of attack defender for this team. And he's someone that we really value for his defense and why he was drafted is because his defensive capabilities are so high. So I would pick Isaac Okoro as the Cavs' best defender. You? Yeah, Kuro is a terrific choice, especially with, like you said, what he was able to do coming in from college and guarding the starting small forwards on teams across the league. I'm never going to forget that. 
And it's one of the things that makes me realize that we always have somebody on the bench that can come in and, and challenge the starters. Um, and we don't have to worry about that, but just to keep things interesting, I will choose someone else. I will choose Jared Allen in the time that he was not out on the court last year. We fell off defensively and frankly, even Evan Mobley kind of became human. Allen, I think, is a major part of our presence as a team, especially underneath. Just from his defensive rebounding and blocks, he is a huge contributor to our defensive presence. So I'm going to say Jared Allen. Who is the Cavs' best player? I'm going to say that the Cavs' best player is Colin Sexton. Wow, all right. And I'm going to say that because Colin had three seasons that proved that to be true coming into this year. He was the man on this team and he was averaging about 25 and five a night. And I always give him a little bit of extra padding there, but that's about what he had. I don't think there's been a drop off in his game. I don't understand why a meniscus tear will make him any less than what he was. And I really think that the Cavs are possibly going to miss out on the talent that they know that they have. That's just the unfortunate thing that happens from drafting two guys that play the same position and hoping that they'll figure it out. They'll be able to work, work it out together, play together. Fate intervened and Garland got the chance over Sexton this last season. And now it's Garland's team. Well, I really believe that Colin Sexton is still that player that he was prior to the injury and therefore, he is probably the best player on this team. What do you think? I think that's a bold answer. I mean, I like Colin a lot. I'm actually also going to go with a little bit of a curveball answer, though, and, and go with the guy that you talked about in your last question, which is Jared Allen. And the main reason why I would pick Jared Allen as the Cavs' best player is everything that he has unlocked for this team since he got here. All of a sudden, this team went from a middling 20 wins a season type of team to a team that has really progressed and is now talking about postseason play. It's not just his mindset. He's become a better player, but it's how his chemistry with Darius Garland, his chemistry with Colin Sexton when he's been when they've been on the floor together and his ability to kind of quarterback the defense and really help Evan Mobley be unlocked on defense as well. I think he is a linchpin for this squad, and you brought it up earlier. When he went out, the whole team suffered. Yes, their defense dropped off, but that also meant their offense dropped off as well. So I would go with Allen. Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast. Let's go Cavs! Cavs!